How do we get our students to have faith so contagious for those they are around? And what kind of an impact could they make if they lived out that type of faith? My name is Steve Cullum, and I've served in student ministry for over 20 years. But today I'm going to be talking with Dave Ron, who has served over 50 years in student ministry. He's going to share his amazing story, but also he's going to provide some encouragement on how to help students share their faith and make a huge impact on their community. Welcome to Student Ministry Connection, a podcast for those who serve in student ministry, want to connect, and desire to grow. My name is Steve Cullum, and as I said earlier, today we're going to be speaking with a student ministry veteran. Dave Ron has served in many roles, but is perhaps most known for his leadership in Youth for Christ and as a youth ministry leadership professor. He's currently helping with the 10 by 10 collaboration and a few other organizations. He's written a few books, and he's also the co-host of the Fresh Catch 2.0 podcast. Today, though, Dave and I talk about evangelism. It was back in 2012 when I first heard Dave share his story, and I was captivated by his zeal for Christ, making him known, and helping others make him known. And I'm so excited for you to hear from Dave today. But before we jump into that conversation, let's thank the sponsor of this episode of the podcast. G-Shades is a youth ministry curriculum and teaching strategy focused on helping students see everyday life situations through the lens of the gospel. G-Shades has options to fit everyone as well, with three plans to choose from. This curriculum gives you the resources that you need to do what you do better. Do you need message outlines, a discussion guide, and a game? That's just $20 a month. If you're looking for a higher production value, including bumper videos, Instagram devotionals, and parent guides, that's $30 a month. And if you want an affordable, engaging video curriculum, G-Shades has you covered for only $40 a month. You will not find a better youth ministry video curriculum at that price point anywhere. Head over to gshades.org, that's G-S-H-A-D-E-S dot O-R-G to download season four of G-Shades curriculum and use the promo code CONNECTION at checkout to receive an extra $20 off your order. G-Shades, seeing life through the lens of the gospel. Thank you, G-Shades, for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. You can find the link to G-Shades in the podcast show notes. Well, hey, Dave, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. It's a pleasure. I'm, I'm looking forward to it, Steve. So I know this is this has kind of been a long time coming. I, I reached out to you a while back and things have happened and COVID and all that stuff. But I I remember, you know, briefly meeting you at an event back in 2012 where I heard your story and I knew immediately I was just so, so inspired as a as a youth pastor who was trying to make an influence on students and helping them to achieve all that God has for them. Uh, your story was so inspiring to me, and I've used it several several times since then in trying to connect with students and help them understand what God could do through them. So I'd love to, yeah, for our audience, just to start out today, let's hear your story, how you came to know Christ, and and what God has done through you since then. Well, thank you, uh, and and the fact that you were inspired ten years ago means that my my singular goal is to not undo any of that uh, while <laughs> we talk together. Uh, so, hey, I I, uh, I was not raised in a church home at all, uh, and uh, as a result, 
when I heard, I, I would have found myself sort of straining socially, not feeling lost, uh, feeling lost in a big high school, 2000 kids and stuff like that, not knowing where I fit. And, um, you know, a, a classmate reached out and invited me to spend the night at his house. And I thought, this is, this is cool. This is going to be, this is, this felt like a big thing. And he kind of muttered something under his breath that there was, um, something going on at the church. Well, I, being a non-church kid, I, this, I, I want people to know when you're not church, you're not really afraid of church. Uh, you don't know anything. You just, you, you know, so, Hey, yeah, fine. That's just kind of, you know, it's like, what are you serving for dinner? So, uh, I, I, uh, no problem. All I know is I was going to hang out at Brent's house and this is a, maybe a new friend in pro process. And that, that, that night, uh, March 6, 1970 was the first time that I heard the gospel, that I heard I could have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And it was, well, yeah, I didn't know that. I mean, I, I had thought of myself as a Christian because we're part of a Christian country. At least that's how I understood it back mm -hmm. 50 years ago. And, um, yeah, I would have voted for God. I was all trying to be a good guy. And so, uh, but I didn't, I just didn't know I could have a relationship with, with God and that Christ made all that possible. So I said, yes. And then, uh, Brent kind of hung on to me for a number of months. Cause I really didn't do anything with this. I mean, I was just like, I, I don't know what happened, uh, other than I was kind of different. In fact, uh, here's the anatomy of my change for six months. It felt like when I cussed, I thought maybe I shouldn't, that's mm. all. That was the nation. I go, huh? I wonder if I maybe I shouldn't do this anymore. I don't know. I don't. But that was it. I wasn't, you know, going to church. I wasn't doing anything else. Brent, uh, Brent bird dogged me uh, for uh, for a while, and and uh, by the next fall, uh, he had me uh, joining joining him in, in church basketball and coming to Sunday school and learning things. And and uh, by the mid midpoint of my uh, my junior year in high school, I was starting to get involved then in, in both Youth for Christ, Campus Life Outreach, mm -hmm. and Young Life. And um, and uh, I did, and was catching fire at, at church, you know, three times a week. And and, uh, and with a small group, a very small group. I mean, there are 15 kids in a, mm -hmm. in a basement kind of thing, but student-led. Uh, and, and Brent's, you know, older brother, younger brother were part of the mix and uh, all of that. And it's just like, I, I just kind of ignited in the last half of my junior year in high school and um, started to uh, get active at sharing my faith because that was something that, you know, we were talking about and I thought I should. Uh, and simultaneously, I, I remember a, a, a strained effort to reach out to a guy, you know, like, okay, somebody needs to receive, needs to hear the gospel from me. So might as well be this guy. And I just manufactured some excuse that tricked him into listening and, and it, and it didn't go anywhere. It didn't, <laughs> there was nothing to it, but simultaneously, I mean, literally in the same couple of days, I was having a, a, just a natural conversation with another Christ follower in my homeroom and the kid behind me, Tyler, uh, just heard stuff. And then the next day he comes back in and goes, Hey, uh, I, uh, I went home and I, and I asked Christ to come to my life cause I heard you and I don't go, what, how did, uh, you know, so <laughs> all of the sort of juxtaposition of sort of, um, following the formulas versus natural mm. and being engaged in a relationship and, and watching things spill out. And, um, yeah, I got, I just, I just got, got crazy. So I, I sort of mentioned to you that, that, uh, while I didn't know this at the time, 
Um, it's 1970, 71, 72. I graduated in 72. Our class motto was keep on trucking with Mr. Natural kind of floating back. I remember the, <laughs> Uh, I remember having sit-ins at high school. I remember uh, race riots at high school, uh, all those kind of things in, in those days. And then uh, somebody asked one time when we were piling a thousand kids onto buses to go to a convention at University of Illinois, um, the the news media interviewed me and asked if I was part of the Jesus movement. Mm. And I didn't I didn't know. I mean, literally, I had a belt. That mm -hmm. said, Jesus is Lord. <laughs> and I said, I, yeah, I mean, I think, I yeah. don't know. How do you sign up? <laughs> but, but the, the truth is that the, the, the Holy Spirit was just rampant. And so many of my friends, I got to lead 18 of my friends my first semester of my senior year to Christ. Mm -hmm. And part mm -hmm. of it was just to just, there was just a nonstop, uh, atmosphere. And, and the, in, in that, in that milieu, in that mix, um, you know, there are so many important adults in my life, but the big thing was uh, my peers. We were just discovering stuff on our own. You know, I remember when Hay Brown came back from the, hey, did you guys know there's a store on this street in Peoria that sells all kinds of Christian stuff, like books and things? And well, no, what was that? And so we're, you know, now we're discovering those kind of things and listening to music that we never heard and, and, um, and just, just, kind of pushing each other and and uh and having an amazing uh amazing experience. It was my young life director who one time whispered in my ear that I should do this full time. Mm. This is my this is what I was made to do. Mm. And um and from that point forward there was no looking back. I was trying to figure out actually how to do that. I mean yeah. I again don't not knowing the Christian landscape mm -hmm. and it's 1972. Where do I go to school? Uh, what do I do to prepare for a career as reach, you know, in youth ministry, which there weren't many people doing that stuff full time. Yeah. And so my buddy Brent, who led me to Christ was going to a Christian college. And so I followed him because as far as I knew, it was the only Christian college in the world. <laughs> and <laughs> that's what, and, um, yeah, one thing led to another. I mean, two weeks onto campus, somebody bumps in to me. I mean, there's a high school junior who shows up at the bookstore at the college, Huntington College, Huntington, Indiana, and he asks the the cashier at the bookstore where to find Dave Ron. And I'm in the bookstore. I'm in there, you know, looking for my intro to psychology class book or yeah. whatever. You know? And and I hear I hear this guy, I go, Well, I'm over here. And he had gotten my name from somebody. That's and said, I heard that you could help us start campus life at the high school. He's a high school junior. I go, wow. Sure. I mean, I don't know. I don't know any rules. I don't know any yeah. boundaries, no <laughs> protocols. So I go, sure. And I go back and a buddy I'd met on my floor, you know, since we showed up at campus, he was from Lansing, Michigan. I said, Trent, let's do this together. And we started, we started the outreach. We started campus life at the high school. Trent is uh, celebrating about 45 years now as executive mm. director of Lansing Youth for Christ. Mm. But we started as 18-year-olds um, <laughs> without any permission. I yeah. mean, we eventually hooked up and got the organization connected to us. But that was, I mean, that uh, somehow fast forward that I, I rolled that into uh, uh, the first 13 years of my ministry were included, started right there as a part-time college student leading ministry. 
Uh, and then, then full-time with Youth for Christ in the Fort Wayne area. We grew that program quite a bit. And then I moved, then I uh, came back to Huntington as their campus pastor. And a year into that, I became uh, a professor um, and was specializing in youth ministry, got my PhD from Purdue and started to do research about youth ministry because I thought the PhD is either a union card to teach or it's a really, really something important to to put to use. Um, and then as I started doing that, that changed my teaching trajectory. And I ended up uh, doing a lot more writing and research hmm. and sort of circulating in national arenas. And I made my way back to Youth for Christ. And hmm. uh, so basically, uh, by the end of my sort of career, um, I had been uh, I'd been full-time with Youth for Christ, full-time at Huntington University as a professor of youth ministry. And then uh, I started to give more of my time on the side to Youth for Christ in research and consulting. And then uh, somewhere around 2005 or six, uh, the Youth for Christ new president, who happened to be a volunteer of mine in 1970s in in, uh, in Fort Wayne in ministry, uh, <laughs> asked me to shift and come full-time and join and and be the senior VP for over ministry and leadership development in YFC. So I just kind of changed the the formula, became full-time back with Youth for Christ, part-time now as a professor, and uh, have ended officially ended both of those connections a couple of years ago. COVID was a was an mm -hmm. accelerator for the uh for the YFC role. And, but uh, when it all said and done, about 41 years in Youth for Christ and 30 years as a youth ministry professor mm -hmm. and obviously that's kind of commingled otherwise i'm a lot older than i look <laughs> <laughs> wow that's that's so awesome and i i mean as someone who who is coming behind you thank you so much for all of that like all of your your dedication to impacting the next generation i mean you're not done um but you've you've had so much there that just inspires those that are that are coming after you and those that are coming after me as well like man it's awesome to to have people like you that we can look to and go yeah there is there is 40 plus years that we can we can dedicate to making an impact on the next generation for christ and so thank you so much for for all that it's it's so awesome to hear well, thank you, and and I'll, I'll tell you one of the one of the greatest joys at this stage of my life and career is looking back and going, there's some there's some people that are coming up that are going to go further. Mm. So that that's what fuels. Uh, so I don't think anybody I know who's been around for a while in youth ministry, and there's a bunch of folks that I know in that camp wants to. Uh, well, I saw LeBron James just just kind of set the scoring record, right? Yep, yep. We don't want to be the scoring record setters. Mm. What we want to do is we want to we want to set people up uh, mm. to exceed us, and and uh, that's how we, that's how we pray. In fact, I'm I'm on a every other every other week I'm on a prayer call with a bunch of original gangsters in youth ministry and some guys that have been around for a, a long time, and we often reference we're praying for revival for young people everywhere. We're praying for student leaders everywhere. But about five or six of us all came to Christ during that same episode of of the Jesus movement days. And I know that that was a recent podcast of yours. And but man, I, I can't wait to to see all of that and connect to that. But what we we remember what it was like and we want so much mm -hmm. for not not to do that over again, but to again go further and faster. 
than what we've been able to uh, yeah. ignite so far. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. And I, I love the part of your story that really, I mean, there's so much, but the really that connected with me when I originally heard it was when you did, you know, start to ignite for Christ and you started to just go out, you know, like that, you know, God used a conversation that wasn't really with that particular kid, but it led them to Jesus. But then all of a sudden you started, you and your friends really started taking your faith to the schools. And I love how you had talked about how you really prayed like for conversations to be able to happen and you'd pass each other yeah. in the hallway and say, Hey, has yeah. that happened yet? There was expectation with it. It wasn't just like, Oh yeah, I'm going to reach my school for Christ. No, like I'm really going to do this. And I'm, I'm trusting that God will present those opportunities to me so that I can actually change my, my school for Christ. And so as we're thinking about all of what's going on today, we're thinking about, you know, how can we do another Jesus movement or 2.0 or whatever that looks like. Yeah. Um, I know Barna just released some some research uh, that says that evangelism training is actually at 19% of Gen Z have actually received uh, evangelism training. And so the vast majority of the students that we are trying to reach don't even know how to share their faith with, with their peers. But we're telling them, hey, you should share your faith. But most of them have no clue how to do that. So from all of your experience, all of your your time working with students, working with Youth for Christ, and so much more, what are some tips, some ways that we as youth pastors can actually uh, empower our students to actually go out and share their faith? Mm, yeah, I love that. I mean, it's and it's been a passion of mine, and um, it's been one of the privileges inside the academy among youth ministry professors uh, to actually represent that value a lot too, because a lot of, a lot of folks are, are, are thinking about youth ministry primarily, uh, for the young people on their roles or the rosters mm. of their church. And, uh, I've never been of that ilk. I've, uh, I've, I've always tried to go, you know, God, God calls us to every young person in the community. Mm-hmm. And that means um, evangelism, and that means collaboration. Uh, I know that both those things are kind of heartfelt for you. So, yeah. uh, one of the ways that I've been privileged to to work is is try to uncover some things that make sense based upon the value system of Scripture and the Kingdom of God. And and so, uh, it, in two thousand nine, we published the book Evangelism Remixed, with uh, which was a research based operation with Terry Linhart. Terry's now. Uh, had you know a prophet Bethel University in northern Indiana, but he also has head up the Arbor Research Institute. And uh, but back then he was just he was a grad student of mine, and and we we uh, ignited got to grab some uh, undergrads and started looking around the country looking for exemplary youth ministries people people that had uh, routinely raised up young people who were effective at reaching their friends for Christ and helping them grow in Christ. So they, they, that was what we meant by student leaders, that you Mm. were effective in that influence agenda. Mm. And um, among the things that we found that just confirmed my own history, my own story was uh, they just simply pray more often. They invite more often and they tell more often. Mm. And uh, as we were trying to write the book and unpack that, that's when I recalled um, my, first semester of my senior year in high school and uh my first class of the day with which was a blow-off class it was mm-hmm. typing right <laughs> so i was taking a typing class uh for the credits just you know and with my sitting in the back i'm a, I'm a you know i'm a cool senior 
sit in the back of the class with my buddy, Jeff Carroll. Jeff was our class president and uh, we're just enjoying the class together. But for the first 10 or 15 minutes, we were supposed to just type anything we wanted to just get our fingers loose and started. And Jeff and I decided what we were going to do with that few minutes was to type up specific prayer requests for the day. Huh. And we, and then we'd exchange those. And when I, and we had learned something about prayer that, you know, being specific sort of works. That's how I say it back then. Now, now having a, a doctorate in educational psychology, sort of understanding a little bit about how the, the, the mind works and how we learn and grow. I, I now know that one of the things that we were doing from a, just a pure mental point of view was we were alerting ourselves and into mm. anticipation for how mm. God works too. Yeah. So set aside the the real power of the spirit of God moving for you. In addition to that, we we're just kind of raising the bar and going, we're praying for it. So let's look for the answers. And that's exactly mm. what was taking place. We we're anticipating. So we were getting really specific. Lord, give me a chance to talk to Kelly today because I know her her dad left for the weekend, left their left our, you know, left their house, left them in shambles, and is uh and she's probably a mess. And maybe she's ready to hear about your love. Mm. So give me a chance to talk to Kelly today. And and so those are the kind of things that you'd you'd put on the list. And then Jeff had my list and I had his list. And as we, you know, split after that first period of class and we see each other around the corner after the third period class and just kind of compare notes and say, Hey, look, I got something set up with Kelly, you know, to talk after school. Yeah. Bingo. And we just high five and we're off. And it's just like, we're, we're leaning into every day Mm. that semester like that. Now, when you talk about praying more often that, that, that defines it for me. I've never, I've never had that kind of intensity of of prayer around the similar shared mission field where we're spending, you know, literally hours each day in this Mm. kind of, in that kind of space. And that, um, you know, and it's not lost. I mean, that's, that's a lot closer to the model that Jesus demonstrated himself Mm. than it is, than, than what we do when we kind of imagine that we're going to host an evangelism event. Right. And we're going to build up to it with three weeks of promotion and, and we're going to have all kinds of slick, attractive bells and whistles that get people there. And, you know, you know, that's a, that's a come and see strategy for evangelism. That's never going to mm. work because it's lost people are lost. They yep. don't know what to come to. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I love that, that you were doing it together. And I think that's, that's, yeah. that's so biblical as well. You know, Jesus sent the disciples out two by two for a reason. And for, you know, they protect each other, but they're also able to encourage each other and hold each other accountable. And it's so, it's so much easier when you go out with, with a peer and you're, you're trying this together than trying to totally do it on your own. And I think that's what a lot of our students think. They hear, oh, I'm supposed to share Jesus. And they step into their high school and some of them, at least in in our area, they may feel like they're the only Christian in their high school. And so that's a lot of work to do all on my own. And it gets overwhelming but to hear that, like, you know, like try to find one other person, at least one other that you can do this together with. And that's so much easier to, to step in that, into that sort of a, an environment. My friend, Brent, who asked me to, who asked me to the event where he, where I heard about the gospel was actually, um, repentant about his motives. The second night of that event, mm-hmm. because all, all that was driving him was he wanted a true Christian friend. And he didn't have anybody that was a Christian friend as a high school sophomore. 
and I'm going, Hey, I don't care what your motives are, man. I'm, I'm, I'm good. You, I got the benefit yeah. of all of this, but the, it was, it just was fascinating. And I, you're absolutely right. Jesus, Jesus set the standard two or three are, are all we need. Mm-hmm. And the, and the truth is even in uh, research on persuasion, you put, you put two people side, by get yourself a true partner and you become uh, a force to be reckoned with as it relates to resisting bad things and, and powering through to adventure some new things. So mm, that's awesome. So have you seen uh, over your many years of doing it yourself, but also with, with all the different students that you've uh, inspired and, and educated and everything, is there a specific model of evangelism that does work more? I know there's a lot of different strategies out there and using certain scriptures and telling certain stories, asking certain questions. Is there anything that you've seen that, that works better than others? Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I'm totally convinced that something we'll call relational evangelism. Uh, that is that, um, it's in the context of a, of a already established shared relationship that it makes most sense to explain who Jesus is. What that does is it, it, it kicks back the authenticity question about the relationship. In mm. other words, if the first words that come out of my mouth is to talk about Jesus and it surprises somebody because they never, mm. they don't see me as any different than they are in any way, I'm, um, then, well, it's not going to work. So, mm. so there's something about the, the tension of living, living Jesus out and living authentically mm. next to somebody who can, who actually is attracted and verifies that. Uh, now the, now the words of explanation, think about, think about the, the scripture in second Peter, always be ready for, to give reason for the hope that's within you. Yeah. And, and that's always a, that's kind of a fascinating thing that, you know, some, you just go, do you think that somebody's going to see you nod your head at McDonald's quietly, just kind of pray over a meal. And then they're going to rush over and say, please tell me more about the hope that's within you. I just noticed that you, no, they don't. That's not what ignites that. Yeah. Uh, those are not the kind of things that ignite that, nor does the hope proclaim itself with all the things that you do not do, which mm-hmm. is a really, you know, there, there's a, you know, back in my day, that was that sense of, of piety of, of, you know, all the things that, uh, you kept from doing defined you. Well, that, that's, you know, 10% of what defines you, mm. what define, what needs to define you is more the fruit of the spirit and things like that. And, yeah. and, uh, and, and frankly, you know, just kind of love unleashed in that, mm. in that sense. So uh, in relational evangelism, what youth for Christ teaches it out as we call it three story, God's story, my story, your story. Mm. And, uh, we just think of those as three circles and, um, the bottom line is the more those three circles actually come together and converge mm. uh all things good can take place so there are there are some ways to so we used to teach kids it's not don't make your first move towards your friend that doesn't know jesus make your first move towards a deeper walk with jesus himself mm. make more of your story explained by more of god's story mm. it, when you get to the point where where that's true when you're certain of that when you can't tell your story without talking about Jesus, then you then you know that there's some great things happening. But in the meantime, it's a work in progress. And so as you move that direction, also engage in, in um, relationships with your friends that are, first of all, about discovering their story, mm-hmm. not first of all about proclaiming, 
but first of all about discovering and listening because that's how love starts yeah. and you start to figure out where they're coming from and once you do that you all but all of a sudden uh you abandon the formulas that you might have had about evangelism you don't you, you're not listening so that you can find that crack mm -hmm. that you jump into and pounce on with all of the kind of uh oh now's this is where the gospel track that I was taught now I mm -hmm. can drop that on them uh, that's not really how it works you, you you listen carefully with Jesus for the Holy Spirit's kind of open door and when you know enough about God's story you you find those connections you find that here's something that you can you can reveal about the intersection of your story God's story maybe point to some story in scripture maybe it's Nicodemus maybe it's Maybe it's Paul, maybe it's Peter, who knows what it is, mm -hmm. but there's going to be some way of connecting. Um, I was just thinking about this last, I don't know if, if you or any of your listeners are fans of the chosen. I am, mm -hmm. I am all in for that. And yeah. last night's episode has me still crying. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and part of it is there's a old campus live club kid of mine from their early eighties. Who's dying in, in the Boston area. And, um, it's a it's a tough road for her right now and i've been working uh via you know texts and messages and things like that just to kind of steer her to something and i and i that part of god's story she needs to hear hmm. she needs to hear she needs to sit in that uh, more and so it's not even for just evangelism it's part of like how it is that we encourage and strengthen each other's heart and uh we frankly don't let the big dog eat by that i mean we don't let scripture mm. speak enough into that kind of space and i think that there's a burden to 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 be so familiar with and intimate with god's story in your own life as an experience mm. that it flows pretty naturally that's what relational evangelism means to me it's authentic yeah. it it seizes on opportunities because it's natural that's who i am that's who you are too yeah yeah i love that and it's it's been it's been my own experience as well. I mean, I've had, I've had opportunities to, you know, like present it in a certain way and follow a certain strategy, but what works so much better is if it just flows authentically from my relationship with that person, my relationship with God, and it just comes out authentically as well. And, yep. and I love if you, you talk about in your, your newest book about this gritty joy that, uh, yep. that students should have as well. And I think that that can be also so attractive to other people that especially in our world today like if, if students just really have this joy about them as they're getting to know other people they're they're pouring into their lives they're understanding who they are and eventually the questions are probably going to come they're like why do you why do you care for me why is this joy about your life that's different than everybody else i've encountered and and the holy spirit will work in those opportunities and that's when you just share your story you're like well this is what this yeah. is what Jesus has done for me. This is why my life is so much better because I've asked Christ to be a part of it and to be the center of my life. And then it just it just flows at that point. And it's also things that that other people can't they can't argue with your story about what God has done no. in your life. That's right. That's exactly right. You know, uh, uh, Steve, there's a there's a a high school friend, and he was a high school friend about the time that I first met Christ, and he was from Turkey. And so he was kind of had a Muslim background. And um, frankly, once I came to faith in Christ, we argued about mm. faith like crazy and just debated it like, like, you know, just all, you know, I remember 
you know, the voices raised in his living room and things like that, back and forth. And he said, if you know, there was some sort of challenge, some throwdown that he gave to me. I said, okay, let's pray right now. I'm going to pray that this this coffee table elevates off the air, and then you'll know that God. You know, that's how I was back then. Yeah. <laughs> and so we prayed, and the table, of course, did not move. And and Vedat, his name is Vedat. I just called him the Turk, and he <laughs> said, well, I was a little nervous right there. I was a little nervous, <laughs> but I say all that to say. That's a conversation. We just, I just had my 50-year high school reunion uh, a few months ago. And my buddy, Vedat, who's a very successful, retired Silicon Valley guy right now in California, wants to keep talking. Hmm. From I mean, he's still not Christian. What he says is he's moved on from Muslim. He's now, a, he's now an agnostic. <laughs> but... I, you know, but he wants, he still has these questions, yeah. this conversation and it's in, and it's an ongoing conversation. It's just mm-hmm. an ongoing way of being. And sometimes that's what, I mean, that, that's your, that's your posture with people, you know, keep your antenna out, mm-hmm. uh, let the Holy spirit sort of derive, uh, give you a sense of words and timing and keep things, uh, available. I, mm-hmm. I, it's a, it's a, it's, it's the adventure of of living that, um, man, when you, when you get the chance to be involved in those kind of relationships, part of what happens is you are quickly aware that there's some, there's a dependency in the Holy spirit that sometimes in ministry you don't experience otherwise. Mm. Sometimes you can, you can, you can do the mechanics of ministry and you can serve people Mm. and you can check the boxes Mm. and show up. Um, but what you cannot do, is you cannot be transformational. That's the mm-hmm. spirit's job, and so I, I can give, I can deliver a talk that everybody likes, but I can't change a heart. Yep. And um, yep. and that knowing that that puts you in prayer mode more often. It should. It yeah. keeps you humble more often. It should, and it actually should for those of us who are in ministry uh, uh, challenge the way we spend our time sometimes mm. too, because we mm-hmm. spend our spend too much of our time probably uh, doing things that don't require God's Holy spirit to step up and show up. Mm. And then the, then the words of Jesus in John 15, five, apart from me, you can do nothing. Yeah. There's no fruit apart mm. from him. So mm-hmm. mm. that to preach for sure. <laughs> I hope, uh, well, you, you referenced the, the, the book disrupting teens with joy. And yeah. um, that's part of it is like, you, you know, it, the joy that uh, can't be, can't be ripped off or stolen. Uh, mm. a resiliency of joy. Uh, again, it's not manufactured. Yeah. Uh, it's not spiked because you had a great, I just listened to a great worship song. It's, mm-hmm. it's something that's more of a state than a trait or a, mm. a trait than a state. Sorry, I got that yeah. wrong. But, uh, that was, that was, uh, some of the discovery from our book, Ebony and I, uh, got to co-write together after a four year study with the, uh, Yale center for faith and culture about joint adolescence. So it was a, really a, a, an unbelievable privilege to be able to spend time in that space with uh, other scholars doing that. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And what I hear from you too, is we just finished this, this purpose series with our students talking about three weeks for about what God's purpose is for us. And I feel like 
it's it kind of boils down to that just to understand what God's purpose is for you in the world and let that drive you. And if you're doing something that is not fulfilling his purpose, then maybe spend less time on that. Make sure that every day you're you're stepping into what he has designed you to do and and that will look different for all people of course, but at the at the core yep. of it, it's to share his goodness and share his love with yep. everyone we come into contact with. And if that's our driving force every day for students, for youth pastors, for everyone, like what will that look like in our in our faith journey? I mean, we're going to depend on on Christ even more because we can't do this on our own, like you said. And uh, and we're actually going to see our communities, our our states, our our country changed if we just went out with that that God given purpose every day. I I I sort of agree. I our purpose is going to flow into. The interweaving, the mosaic, the interdependence of of God's master purpose, mm-hmm. right? And and so part of what's again, I'm going to come back down to evangelism. I uh, my one of my favorite books that I used to drop on uh, grad students, and it was I love the reaction because about this thick, as you know, I'm pulled up about a two inch. Uh, it's called The Mission of God by Christopher Wright, mm-hmm. and it was as exhaustive a study about why it is. Hear this, this is that the key to understanding scripture is to understand that God is on mission, mm. not not the other way around. So mm. don't try to just look for mission through scripture. Look through the lens of mission as you understand scripture, and scripture comes alive. He Christopher Wright calls it the, the hermeneutical key. That's that is that opens everything else up. And the book is exhaustive it's like it's just like a a wrestler who's in control of the match from the get-go mm. who just has total control i mean the the argument was fantastic that way and so now i know that my purpose is going to flow into that purpose mm. and that's a fascinating discovery too yeah and more than that my purpose is sort of the active outward expression of my identity and my identity is where the deep stuff is right so it's commingled it's 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 a i think a, what we talk about in in the book that everybody i wrote, wrote was you know we just we want to take kids deep but we can't take them deeper than we are and and so and when we when we shallow dive in terms of our life with god we're, we can't do anything more than shallow dive or snorkel with kids yeah. sometimes splash on the surface. And so taking them into the deep in, involves getting at our own identity issues too, mm. who we really are. And, uh, man, the question of identity is as timely today in our culture as it is, as it ever has been. Yeah. And, uh, I got one answer for identity and that is get connected to Jesus and strap it on and, and hold on tight. Amen. He's going to take you to the deep stuff where, where the true you flourishes like you described. So mm-hmm. I flourish in my purpose because I flourish in my identity. Yeah. And lo and behold, identity is where gritty people operate too. Mm-hmm. If you look at the social science on grit, she that's what Angela Duckworth says. She summarizes, she goes, the secret to grit is that people find it connected to their identity, their very essence of their being. Mm-hmm. James Clear writes about that in, in the book Atomic Habits. Again, not with any necessarily uh, Christian inclination, but but that that word identity pops up in that space, and uh, I'm going, hey, I know I know something about identity. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what Jesus is all about. He's going to give us at the end of time a, a, a special, unique 
identifier, the a stone that he writes our name on that's known just to me. And that's that's uh that's part of the a gifting that we see in Revelations uh chapters two and three of mm-hmm. how he responds to those of us who are faithful. So I'm excited mm-hmm. about it. Yeah, that's so good. Dave, it's been awesome to have you on. You've already encouraged me so much. But uh as we as we do kind of turn to the end, I want to give you an opportunity to to speak to our audience uh, once again, but specifically, what encouragement would you offer youth workers today who are listening to this um, as they're they're going through maybe some hard times, not feeling as connected as they want to be, maybe feeling like they're they're running against a brick wall sometimes. They want to see these things happen within students, but but what encouragement would you give them today? Uh, that's a great open-ended question, uh, Steve. I uh, I and playing with in my uh days these these days i'm i'm playing with what i'll call a almost a back pocket creed uh like something so simple and, and again it reminds me of, of those jesus movement jesus freak days you know when i my belt said jesus is lord there was a creed there and that's that references the earliest of the of the and the simplest of creeds and um some of us are we're taught creeds in formal settings, and you got to okay. That, there's a lot of belief system there. I'd like I'd like something much more operational, uh, much more you know just accessible in any moment. And uh, so I'm going to try this with your audience. Uh, All right. I have I have three short statements that I, I that I am confident that everything else can connect to. One is. Uh, God is love. Second is Jesus is Lord. And the third is faithfulness is enough. And I think that if you triangulate those things, first of all, they, they, in a fascinating way, they, I think they get at questions of belonging, purpose, and identity. But more than that, um, I feel like I, I feel like I could be Steven Seagal in a, in a sort of, uh, ninja cage match with anybody, mm-hmm. like take on all comers, all questions, because somewhere or another, those three statements cover it, mm. cover it. Sometimes, sometimes we don't, sometimes we're stuck because we forget that God is love. And so we, we are hesitant to surrender mm. because we don't, we don't know the vastness or the depth of his love, but his love and everything co- comes from him is, is love. And sometimes we think of him as love, his love, but we don't, we haven't elevated him as Lord. Jesus is Lord. He's in charge of it all. He's got all things. Nothing is coming at you or me that he doesn't have his fingerprints on. He's in charge. He's going to get it done. He's got the power. And so, okay, wow. So then what's my pathway? Mm. That's where I'm going. Faithfulness is absolutely enough. Faithfulness is a precision pathway that's geared for every single moment in time. It's geared for the last hour we've been on a podcast together. Like literally you and I could be could be scored on mm-hmm. some sort of faithfulness uh, test with the Lord. Did I say exactly the words that the Lord wanted me to say? Mm-hmm. Right, that's all. Mm-hmm. And I don't get extra credit for saying more mm-hmm. or doing different or going faster. And there's a precision to faithfulness that I think – I think is met in the promise of Jesus in Matthew chapter 11. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble. 
I go, why does Jesus have to be gentle and humble here with mm-hmm. me? I mean, he knows all of these things. Yeah. And it's because he's going to put his finger on the stuff that, that means a lot to me. Mm-hmm. And he's going to do it gently and humbly, but he's going to steer me into this path of perfect faithfulness. In John 15, that's abiding. That's just, just being with him, kind of pacing perfectly. I don't get extra credit for running faster than Jesus. Mm-hmm. I don't want to go slower than Jesus. Just, just take the rhythm of the day with Jesus. This is what Jesus means in a, by abiding. And that faithfulness is a precision target. It can be measured every single moment of every single day. At the end of the day, you might have a, had 10,000 opportunities to be faithful. And maybe you were only faithful for 500 moments. Good. Well, tomorrow make it 600. I mean, you, you just you just keep that faithfulness is enough of a target. So you got to learn to kind of ignore the other voices, mm-hmm. and those those include the voices of the bosses that we have in ministry, who may or may not have it right. Make make Jesus' voice mm-hmm. the one voice that you uh, that you listen to most most closely that you're most familiar with, cultivate, if you don't know that voice, cultivate learning how to know that voice because his he's the standard of faithfulness, mm-hmm. and that's enough. It's enough for the joy. It's enough for peace. It's enough for the fruitfulness that we seek in ministry. It is perfectly calibrated. Uh, you can't do better than faithfulness. Mm-hmm. You can't get bonus points. Mm-hmm. We overachievers have to sort of suppress ourselves in that space. <laughs> This is just, it's a laser precision target and you get it with Jesus. And so you triangulate those three things. I'm fascinated by, um, I think that's sufficient. I I feel like maybe I'm too cocky right now, but I feel like (laughs) I want to stand up and go, so bring it on, whatever it is, somehow in that three, threefold triangulation, uh, here's a, for those of you who are disappointed that there's nothing more more fancy or academic about this <laughs> podcast. Let me use the word perichoresis here. It's a perichoretic kind of combination. And you put those things together and lo and behold, you are a force to be reckoned with. Wow. And wow. frankly, you know, in the, in the spirit of the book that uh, Ebony and I released through the youth cartel a couple of years ago, Disrupting Teens with Joy, that's the secret to joy. That's mm. the secret to, to being, in, you know, perfectly calibrated, perfectly aligned with Jesus. Mm, mm, That's so good, Dave. Thank you so much, man. Not only have you inspired me, um, you've also given me some homework. Now I need to go look up the the word perichoresis and figure out what that means. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I got to tell you, my, everybody who knows me well, my kids, my, my wife, they're probably, if they were listening to that at the moment I throw that word out there, just shaking their head. Yeah, of course you got to drop the big word, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, it's been so so good to talk to you, Dave. I, I knew it was going to be a good conversation, but you have surpassed all my expectations for sure. And I know everybody else listening is is thinking the same thing. They want to know, you know, how can they connect with you? How can they read your books? I know you've got a podcast as well. So how can people find more of of you and what you've done? Oh, thanks. Uh, the the book that uh, I'm I'm most excited about that came out a couple of years ago as a result of a four year connection with the Yale Study for Faith and Culture and Miroslav Volv was this research. It started out to be just an academic research book, and it became very personal for my co author Ebony Davis, a former grad student of mine, uh, and I. So the book is called Disrupting Teens with Joy. The Youth Cartel published the book. 
you know, it's Amazon accessible, so you can hunt that down. Then the other thing that I get to do is um, I have uh, there's a friend of mine who I led to Christ a long time ago, who's a professional comedian, and he's been doing it for 40 plus years. David Dean is his name. And David and I do a podcast every week uh, for about 30 minutes. Uh, we call it Fresh Catch 2.0. The, the rules of engagement are we absolutely don't plan a thing and we'll see what happens. And uh, he needs he needs to be funny. That's a part of his brand. I need to talk about Jesus. That's part of our brand, my brand. So we, we find a way to get that intersection going. Uh, so that's kind of fun. And that you can, you can find that wherever you can find podcasts that's fresh catch 2.0. So those are, those are a couple of the hot things I've got going on a regular basis other than my own, my own networks and, uh, things that frankly, uh, it feels like I'm living in an improv life right now. Like, uh, each week something new comes along the way and yeah. it's kind of cool to be on my toes. Yeah. Uh, I am connected to the, to the 10 by 10 collaboration in an advisory capacity. I really enjoy that. I think that's going to be an amazing experience and uh, I'm loving the chance to spend some research efforts in that with those mm. guys too. That's cool. So, man. Well, again, it's been so awesome to have you on the podcast today, Dave. Thank you so much for your story, what God has done through you for saying yes to Jesus so many years ago that has led you on this journey to not only lead people to Christ yourself, but to inspire and instruct others to to make an impact on the world around them. Uh, the youth ministry world is so much better because you uh, because you said yes um, so many years ago, and you yeah. keep saying yes, and we're so grateful for you, and uh, may God continue to bless your ministry. Yeah, thanks so much, Steve. I've really enjoyed being here. It took it took too long to get this connection, but <laughs> it uh, did. It thanks, did. <laughs> thanks for hanging in there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I am still in awe of the wisdom and encouragement that Dave brought us today. And if you are too, I'd like to ask you to take a moment and share this episode with someone else who also needs to hear what you heard today. Also, we're releasing this episode in March 2023, which means that the Orange Conference is right around the corner. If you're going, I would love to meet you there. If you don't see me walking around, please feel free to reach out to me on social media and I'll do my best to find you. I'll also be at the National Network of Youth Ministries booth quite a bit during the event. And for those of you who want to attend but haven't bought your tickets yet, you can use the code STEVE10, that's S-T-E-V-E-1-0, at checkout to save 10% off your tickets. And that applies to both single and group tickets. And you can also use that same discount code for in-person or online only tickets. And speaking of discounts, be sure to also visit our sponsor's website, gshades.org, and use the promo code CONNECTION to save $20 off your order. They also have a great blog over there that you definitely need to read. We're going to be back in a couple weeks for episode 103, but until then, be sure to stay connected and may God bless your ministry.